Hello and welcome. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and this is Story You Talk Radio. I'm delighted that you have reserved this hour for one hour of conscious talk, conscious thinking, conscious relaxation into those worlds of stories. Where does your story live? Well, I'll tell you this, it lives right inside of you. And if you were thinking about writing that story down, I would love to offer to you a free consultation where we can just find out what is it you're thinking about writing? What is it that you would like to share with the world? My website is www.storyu. Sorry, that's a different one. It's www.coachdebbie.com. And that's D-E-B-B-Y. If you keep hanging out with me at some point, you're going to think, you know what? I do have a story in me, and I would like to think about how I express that. Most of the people I talk to here in the studio or in my classes, they're really working with stories of triumph where they went on some kind of journey, somewhere dark, somewhere scary, and found themselves standing in somewhere bright. And they realized they had a story they wanted to share with the world. If that's you, again, I would love to talk to you about that. And my website is www.storyu. No, it's not. I, You know, I was working on that website earlier today. <laughs> it's not live. Go to my other one, www.coachdebbie.com. I have a guest in the studio with me today. We're going to talk about all things writing. You know how much I love to do that. First, we're going to say hi to our engineer. Eric is here, and he makes sure everything runs very well. How are you, Eric? Good afternoon, and happy Thursday. I'm doing okay. How's everybody on your side of the table? Oh, we're fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fabulous over here. And it looks like our phone lines are open today. If you want to call in, you'll hear that lovely voice of Eric's taking in your call. We are at one 888 yeah. Should we do that again? one 888 Or KKNW. That's right. Yeah. All right. Has everyone downloaded that app? You don't have to be on the drive home 4 o'clock on Thursdays to catch this. You could be streaming from your app. They have it right there in iTunes, also available for your Android. And you can also catch our replays uh, in your iTunes or in Podcast One. Turns out, There's an app, Podcast Plus One and Podcast One. We are at Podcast One, all one word. And I would love for you to subscribe. And when you do and you let me know, I send you a present. So just let me know over at my email, debby at coachdebbie.com. It's like Christmas in March. That's right. That's right. We wouldn't want to do without it. Especially while I'm sitting here in my Easter dress you're all missing out on. My pink new dress. I got a new client the other day. So I went and I got myself a new pretty little dress. But 
even though you can't see it, you can experience the joy that we have right here in our studio today. We're going to talk about something that a lot of you do not associate with joy, and that's your divorce. And why is there joy in this? Because anyone who is consciously choosing a divorce is making a choice toward living again, making a choice toward the dream that really honors them right now, and hopefully making the choice to honoring the dream of their spouse and soon-to-be ex-spouse. I have an expert that's going to talk to you about this. She is an expert because she went through the tricky and the sticky and the scary and the long journey of putting that on paper. Her name is Sunny Joy McMillan, and many of you know her from Friday mornings here at 9 o'clock and her replay show Wednesdays at 6 a.m. right here at KKNW 1150 Seattle. Sunny is one of those people completely dedicated to bringing you new thought, new ideas, and the leaders that put those thoughts and ideas in print. She also, like I said, went on her own journey of writing down what it meant to be, as I say, an expert in what it means to journey through your divorce. She is an attorney turned life coach. She was trained by Martha Beck and is very certified and very qualified to take your calls, which we will be doing today. But without further ado, I would like to welcome Sunny to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Debbie. I'm really excited to be in the studio with you today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You know, I get a choice. I get to either be able to see Sunny or I can see things that are written down. So right now, I'm going to choose things that are written down. Looks like we've already got one emailer and we have one Facebooker. And there's very good chance that if you would like to call in, you will have a shot at talking with Sunny. I want to let you all know that when you write a book about your life journey, you're making a huge commitment to go into your story. So, Sunny, just tell us just a little bit about this idea of deciding, I'm going to write about my divorce. <laughs> well, I have to say that um, I had, I, I guess it would be more of an intuitive hunch that it was something that would make it onto paper at some point, um, even while I was in the marriage um, I knew I wanted to write about the experience. And so with the divorce, um, there was some, I wouldn't say total completion. I don't know that divorce completes everything, but it sure does close a chapter. And it felt very appropriate um, to write about it after the fact. I think I mentioned this to you when we were talking and preparing for the show, but um, I knew that I wanted to write it, but... If I had written it immediately following the divorce, it would have been a much different book than if I had waited a couple of years, and more than a couple of years, quite frankly, let me think, like five to six years, really. Um, And I'm in a much different place, or I was when I started writing the book, and my ex-husband and I were in a much different, more wonderful place by that point. So um, I I wrote it when it felt 
uh, I felt that urge. Like the muses were definitely nudging me. <laughs> hmm. Something I got out of your book, and it's it's called Unhitched. Tell us what comes after the colon. Yes. So the main title is Unhitched. Subtitle is Unlock Your Courage and Clarity to Unstick Your Bad Marriage. Yeah. Unstick it. Yeah. Because that's a huge part of it, yeah, is that we feel the the stickiness mm-hmm. of what we said yes to, and yet when we get up in the morning, we're not still necessarily saying yes. Yeah, and it's getting unstuck to me um, does not necessarily mean divorce. But what I often see, what I found in my own life and what I see now in my clients' lives is that we can remain in a place of stagnation or stuckness for decades at a time without anything really changing. Because any kind of change can be very scary where our brains are not wired to embrace change (laughs) really easily. So just getting unstuck can mean making some very serious uh, commitments and changes to your mind and to your being that can affect the totality of the relationship. So I always like to clarify that. The caveat is just because uh, I say unstuck in the title does not mean you have to get legally unhitched. (laughs) That's a really, really good clarification. I like that. I like that a lot. Because, and and in the way we live today, so many of us are living communally and not necessarily legally hitched. Yeah, well, like me now. (laughs) So, yeah. Sure, sure. But you did make a commitment at some point that this journey that you went through would be written and shared. Yeah, yeah, I did. I think I committed to it well before I actually started doing it. Um, and then once I did make that commitment, I I knew that I was a person that needed a high level of accountability or someone to hold me accountable. And so I engaged the help of an author coach and Um, went through with a bunch of other writers the getting our book done on a pretty tight timeline, and that was really important for me once I did actually fully embrace the commitment. How tight? How tight was your timeline? Nine weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying the manuscript was finished in its most, um, if you, I'm not going, I know we're on, (laughs) we've got the FCC watching, but I'll just say the acronym, SFD. That's from Anne Lamott. It is a blank first draft. <laughs> oh, yeah. So well, you've yeah, got, yeah, sure. yeah, you've got the SFD at the end of the, the nine weeks, so it needs a lot of work. But you do have something completed that is much easier. You know, at that point, you just got to get something on the page. Um, yeah, the, 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 to get over the blank page and to have something to work with. And, and so, yes, it took a lot of work after the nine weeks. But I did have a manuscript at the end. Oh, good. I'm just going to make a little plug for for my program there, you know, to to write your book this year. I offer a 90-day accelerator class, so I give you a couple more days. Yeah. <laughs> but but really that so much of that is around the the mindset of writing that first draft, we'll call it. Um yeah. and and finding out that you don't have to walk into the class day 1 being an expert on what it is you're going to write about, but you will walk out of that class on day 90 being an expert because you're in it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to say that um, that having that kind of structure 
and also being in it with other people who they're like, oh, I just finished my fifth chapter and I'm still in pre-writing stage. So there is something there's a little bit of a fire under your bottom when you've got all the people around you working toward the same thing <laughs> a yes. little bit faster than you perhaps. Oh, very much so. And, and you're also having this experience too of finding out what it means to be both vulnerable and be seen. Oh my gosh, Debbie, that's that's <laughs> the thing. And that, it, it really is, you mentioned this a moment ago, but it really is as much of a mind management or really getting uh, your mind right as much as, as it is showing up to the page and actually writing. Um, yeah, so it's, and being seen, um, that was huge for me. I deactivated all my social media. I basically came to <laughs> Seattle after my divorce from Austin and was in hibernation mode for a good four years. And so to come out and then start writing about something that's so personal, it there were a lot of hurdles to get over for me in my mind to be able to be seen fully. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could have done it without a coach? I'm sure that I could, um, but one of the things that my mentor said to me, and I do agree with this, um, and I think it applies to packing and writing a book, is that it will fit into the time in which the time you allocate it. So if you give it 10 years, it can take 10 years to write the book. Yep. If you give it nine weeks, it can take nine weeks. And if I hadn't had someone there really prodding me on, mm -hmm. I think I would have been one of those folks who 10 years from now, I'd still be working on the manuscript. So I, for me personally, I needed a coach. Sure. Yeah. Why not? I'm in my 19th year with one of mine. Yeah. So don't, yeah. Don't feel bad. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. We we need someone that is standing right in front of us that's willing to see that vulnerability, to see that we are stepping into whatever level of readiness we can. Yeah. And the other thing that I noticed, and it, it was interesting being in a group, um, <clears throat> and being in a group, it was about 15 people, I guess. and uh, Similar topic or different? Everybody, very, very different topic. Okay. The only thing we had in common is we were all writing nonfiction. Okay. Um, so it was more transformational, self-help type work. Um, and not necessarily, I, I take that back. There was a woman who did city planning um, or helped, helped real estate investors get their projects approved by the, the planning committees in their local city. So anyway, mm. but it was all just nonfiction. But the, the thing that I did notice also, and I say this for anybody out there who is in the process of writing a book or, or wanting going to work with Debbie and do that, um, that it's funny how when you commit to writing the book, things start happening in your life that could be you know, oh, for God. some people, you know, we had somebody whose entire house flooded. Someone was diagnosed with cancer. Um, someone lost a loved one. It's like all the stuff. Somebody's attic was infested with squirrels. Like it just was it does. all of the things that could come up do. And it's almost as if the universe is saying, you sure you're committed to this? And it could be if I hadn't been in that group, there were things that came up for me as well. Um, my my ex-husband, of course, who is the main um, I guess impetus for me writing this and our high conflict marriage to a beautiful post-divorce friendship. But during the writing of the book, he had a huge health scare and I ended up going down to Texas and staying with him for a couple weeks to help him. But it's like anything and everything that could come up would. So just know it's, it's normal for that to happen in my experience. Yes, it is. 
And a lot of us think, oh, no, it's me. Mm-mm. It happened because it's me. And no, the the universe is going to provide all the escape routes that you can imagine. <laughs> and and it's up to you to, to find that ability to say, this is the year that I write my book. Hang out with us a little longer. We're going to get deeper into this conversation. But first, we are going to take a break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Story U. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. St. Jude takes care of absolutely everything. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. St. Jude allowed me to focus on being a mom to Bryce. And sometimes I'm just in awe of the impact St. Jude has, not only on this community, but the world. St. Jude is uniquely positioned to advance the cures of pediatric cancer, I think better than any other institution in the world. The contributions make a big difference. Donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. We have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will? St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Through the generous support of individuals like you, Trees for the Future has planted over 155 million trees and changed thousands of lives in the last 29 years. With your help, Trees for the Future continues to train thousands of impoverished farming families across Africa to plant their way out of poverty using an agroforestry method called the Forest Garden. Forest gardens consist of nearly 4,000 fast-growing fruit, nut, and timber trees that thrive alongside climate-appropriate crops surrounded by a living green fence. These forest gardens eliminate hunger in two years, increase household income over 400% in four years, and have changed landscapes from dry lands for monocropping to rich soils supporting over 20 varieties of crops and marketable products. Learn more about how you can be part of these efforts by visiting trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm in the studio today in Seattle, Washington, with Sunny Joy McMillan. And we are talking about her fabulous book, Unhitched. I bet you I have the full title written down somewhere. <laughs> I can tell you if you don't want to look for yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity to unstick your bad marriage. Awesome. Awesome. It's a great title. <laughs> Thanks. It's a mouthful. <gasps> Good one. You are more than welcome, dear listeners, to call in, write in, text in, do what you would like to do so that you can be a part of the conversation. So far, we've been talking about the writing process, how it's a little sticky, a little tacky, a little dark, a little scary to even think about taking on these projects. And yet, at the same time, you go through something this big and you know you got to share it. 
You know you do. It's it's not your ego saying, oh, to pay me back for all those years, I'm going to publish this. It's, it's not that. It's that you you want to connect with all of those people who are at some phase in that heroic journey that you got through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote the book as a love letter to my former self and had that in mind, um, just knowing that I stayed um, in a pretty dark, dysfunctional place in my marriage for such a long time. Um, and I don't want anyone else to have to do that and to feel alone in the doing of it. Um, I hid so much of what was not working in my marriage from everyone around me, including my parents. And um, I, I, don't, I don't live that way anymore. But for anyone out there who feels alone in an unhappy marriage, I, I wanted to not only help them feel seen, but to give them the tools to get out of the stuckness. Yes, very well said. And when you say tools, I mean, something you put very, very early in your book, possibly even in the introduction, but you talked about the fact that you are not necessarily aimed at giving advice. And yet, anytime we write a book, sometimes people will say, you know, this is a book of great advice, and yours is. It's a book of great advice, but how do you... um, sort of distinguish the idea of story and yet steps you provide? What, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you talk about that? Well, um, I would just say, number one, you know, in my coaching tradition, we are not in the business of advice giving. We are in the business of helping a client uncover what mm-hmm. is true for them. Good, uncover. Yeah, and, and so I'd had a lot of garbage on top of my integrity and truth, and so coaching was what helped me uncover the bedrock of my integrity and to make decisions with clarity from there. Um, and then the other thing, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience. And so it took me from the time that I knew that I needed to leave my marriage and had a lot of therapy in the meantime and extricated myself. And then we, my ex-husband and I really transformed our relationship post-divorce into something quite beautiful, um, not romantic, but very loving and very amicable. Um, I just know what worked for us. And I didn't have those tools when I was going into it at the front end. So I just basically put forth the process that we walked through and the tools and the techniques that worked for us and hope that it will, at least a little bit of it, may work for someone else. I'm glad you did. Yeah, thank you. I'm really glad (laughs) you did. Uh, I think you and I are rare in that we we both have one Mm ex-husband. We both left a marriage that with someone we deeply, deeply loved. We both were very, very committed to having a post-friendship. We both did. And then we both had to bury our ex-husbands. Yep. And and I think that most people have some of that in their story, but we have all of that yeah. in our story. And, and, you know, we ain't no girls here, just so y'all know. We're, <laughs> you know, this... This isn't like, well, 85 years old, you know, and you would expect it. Uh-uh. This, this happened for us on the younger end of it. But what I found, and I think you know as well in your current relationship, is that when you're really, really clean about how you do clean up a divorce, mm-hmm. the current man in your life gets it. 
Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I my ex husband used to talk. It was a phrase, and I think it's a phrase that's actually used in in recovery. But um, he talked about cleaning one side of the marital street. Yeah, keep and, your side of the street clean. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And so it was important to me whether or not he was going to join me in the process of some healing after the divorce that I clean my side of the marital street. And in so doing, I became, you know, if well, let's just say, if you write a list of qualities that you want to find in a mate, um, I would say write those down and then <laughs> basically cross all of them out. And until you become the person that is all of those things, like you're not ready to hang be. on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I basically, <laughs> I had to uh, <laughs> clean myself up so that I could be the person that, um, that someone would want to be with because I was in no shape that I had so much baggage and so much, um, just mind management and emotional healing and things that needed to be done before I could be a really competent, good partner to someone else. So, yeah. I want to bring it home that Sunny is one of the most delightful people on the planet. And <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. we, we also, we, we have to remember that, that while that, that is so true, when we're in our close relationships, other things happen, you know, yeah, yeah. other things happen. I used to just say to, to excuse my faults, I'd say, so what if I'm a little moody once a month? You know, that mm -hmm. was it. So what if I'm a little moody? Mm -hmm. But no, I wasn't a little moody. I was absolute um, Satan to live with at times. <laughs> Me too. And, <laughs> I mean, I would say I didn't have anger. I had rage. I had rage. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that four-letter word was, was something I had to admit to. And then I had to sit down with that girl that raged mm -hmm. and have lots of talks with her. We had to write all kinds of stuff down. We had to have ceremonies. Wow, did we cry. You know, all kinds of things yeah. go on because if all we can admit is that we're moody, we ain't going to grow. Yeah, and I mean, this stuff, and for many people that you're carrying, and this includes me, but we carry a lot of the traumas that we've experienced in our in our cells and our biology, and mm -hmm. so to be able to really look at some of the the experiences that I carried with me and the the emotions that needed to be processed and released, oh, that made such a difference. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a texter, right? And I think this. Hang on with me, everybody, while mm -hmm. I go and find it, because I think she just stumbled yeah. on something that, yes, fits perfect. Awesome. Ready for a question? Yeah, of course. Cool, because I think this fits with what you're saying. Uh, my husband and I have been married for three years, and he keeps telling me that I am the thorn in his side. Mm. Ouch. Maybe he's the thorn in mine. Maybe we just both suffer from bad moods. Or maybe we are headed for divorce. I don't want to believe that any of it is true, but I think this is where the downhill cycle begins. Any advice? Was this your experience? So two things come to mind, and thank you so much for the question. And um, Sorry, I didn't give you her name. Oh, that's okay. This, is she okay with us releasing it on the air? I always do first names. Okay. Um, so yeah. from the Seattle area, Marilyn. Yeah, okay. Well, Mar Marilyn, thank you for the question. So... Um, uh, I can only speak to what, uh, what, what, uh, 
what I use to get to my ultimate clarity. Um, so two things. Um, you mentioned thinking. Um, I used to have a lot of stories about my marriage and my ex-husband. I'll just use or my husband at the time. And I had this story, you know, I had a lot of anger, but I had this story that, and he was, I'll just preface this a little bit, he was a very powerful attorney. He was a master in the courtroom. And so any argument that we had felt like I was on the witness stand. Um, and so I had this story that I had a husband, um, a hot-tempered husband who <laughs> was uh, hell-bent on controlling me. And when I got outside of the marriage, and I carried that story with me, it was part of the fuel that drove me out of the marriage. When I got out of the marriage and I started actually doing some mm, thought work, um, and I specifically use the work of Byron Katie, her system of inquiry, I started questioning my thoughts. And I have, I, I can't speak for what is true for you, Marilyn, but I'll just say this is what I did with my story. Because here's the thing. If you can clean up your thinking while you're in the marriage, then you will know that you're making the right decision when you leave. So I took my story. I have a hot-tempered husband who's hell-bent on controlling me, and I did what Byron Katie calls a turnaround. I basically turned it to its opposite to see if there was any truth there. And doing so that, the work. Yeah, doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of other techniques and teachers out there to dissolve thoughts, but this is just the one that, that resonates most for me. So I turned that thought around. My husband is the victim of a hot-tempered wife who is hell-bent on controlling him. Can I find where that's true? And I absolutely could. I mean, yeah, I absolutely could. And when I when I looked at it that way, I saw the part that I played in co-creating um, the dynamic and the conflict that we had. And so once I was able to clean up my thinking and at least see my part in it, I had a lot more compassion and empathy for him. Didn't mean I wanted to be with him romantically, but it did mean that I could see things more clearly when I really looked with a really... Uh, um, an eye toward taking responsibility for what was mine. The other thing I will say is your body will be giving you messages about what it is that you need to do. Our mind spins stories. Our body is the incorruptible truth teller. And so things that are generally good for us will feel light and expansive in the body. Uh, people, places, and things that are not so great for us tend to feel constrictive and heavy in the body. And I will say that when I envisioned going back to my marriage while we were separated, I would feel a very heavy cinder block in my chest. And that was my signal to me that it was not moving me in the right direction. Um, and so for my clients, you know, we often as humans, we there are themes in how we feel these things in our body. And oftentimes you'll get a, a sense in your gut, in your heart, your solar plexus, your throat. Um, yeah, and so you can just use your body as a compass pointing you in the direction that um, that you need to go, really. Um, and, and once you have the information, if you... Even if you know what you need to do, that doesn't mean you need to act on it immediately. Oftentimes, if we can just admit to ourselves what it is that we most want to do, what our heart really wants, what our spirit wants, doesn't mean we have to act on it and leave the marriage tomorrow. It means that we can then do the work of, you know, cleaning things up. And 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 if you still know that you know that you know, um, at a month, two months, six months, a year down the road, then you can really explore that option more deeply. Mm, so well said. Thank you. Thank you. I think this is connected to what you said in your book about our resistance can be our compass. Oh, yeah. That's from Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let your resistance be a compass pointing true north in the direction that you know you must go. Mm. I just, I love that. Mm. Any time I have some level of resistance, I know change is coming. Mm -hmm. And anytime I know change is coming, I resist more. 
Absolutely. Well, our brains, evolutionarily, change is not what our brains like. I mean, to keep things the same, if we're alive, let's keep it that way and let's not change a thing. So we kind of have to override our natural biology and what our brain (laughs) is screaming at us to be able to move forward and to change and to grow. Yeah, I... I took a real dare when I when I started this show because I wanted to begin on Valentine's Day. <gasps> Love you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And and I I you know I'm still in the in the stitching up the heart of of the last love and and so it was like well the the first radio show I started to do was on Valentine's Day seven years ago. So Interesting. I you know I want to do this one on Valentine's Day and. And the topic I chose was real love, not romantic love, you know, mm-hmm. but the real love, wh- whether you think of that as source or or God or mom or dad or, or being in nature. But I, I really, just anything I could to enforce that we are all plugged into a real love, all mm-hmm. of us. Oh, yes. All of us. Yeah. And... I I really dedicated a lot of that to my mom because so, so much of my earliest, earliest memories of feeling loved go back to being with my mom who in no way was competing, in Mm. no way was moody, Mm. in no way was rageful. Mm. It was just a very pure exchange and enveloping of love and I think when we go into our earliest memories we can find that first memory that love is not a scary thing yeah you know yeah yeah it's we learn in these relationships how to elicit the scary because we've gone through more life Mm. But if we can go back to that youngest self before we started, you know, our stories of trauma. Yeah. (laughs) There was a story of love. Yeah. Yeah. I think what do they say? We're born with only two fears innately as humans, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is learned. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I certainly had the fear of falling. Yeah. Loud noises. I think drowning came next. That makes sense. (laughs) Who knows? That could be a past life thing, too. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. I believe it for sure. We're going to have to take a break in just a second here, but I want to leave the listeners with just this thought. Maybe you're going, gosh, Sunny, she's so creative and she is so out there doing the scary, but I can't do that. I can't write a book because I'm not an expert or, you know, I... I don't know if my book will sell, or what if I lose friends, or what if I die writing it? <laughs> That's always been mine. Oh, dear. <laughs> what if I die from this experience That's pretty of extreme. trying to write? But the thought goes through it your does, veins, you know? It just pumps through your veins. If you're thinking about that, in addition to maybe wanting a little camaraderie on the place you are in your love Think about calling us up. We are at one eight 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 eight. How many eights? <laughs> Three eights. One eight 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 two nine eight two nine eight five five six nine. We'll be right back after this.
sarcoma. Odds are you've never heard that word before. But for the 40 people diagnosed with sarcoma every day, it is a life-changing word. Life-changing and devastating because sarcoma is cancer. Sarcoma is a cancer of bone and soft tissue more prevalent in children than in adults. More than 6,000 people lose their lives to sarcoma each year. Treatment options for sarcoma are limited and new therapies are desperately needed. More research and increased awareness is necessary to find a cure for a cancer that you probably didn't even know existed until now. Through awareness, advocacy, and research, the Sarcoma Foundation of America is determined to help those affected by this forgotten cancer, to bring hope to the children and adults whose lives are forever changed by a word they had never heard before. Please help us in the fight to find the cure for sarcoma. For more information on sarcoma and the work of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, please go to curesarcoma.org. Every winter, up to 20 million tons of salt are applied to U.S. roads. Road salt can keep drivers safe. But when too much salt is applied on roads, it can pollute streams, kill fish, and increase salt levels in our drinking water. The good news is we can protect water quality and keep drivers safe. You can help. Join the Isaac Walton League's Winter Salt Watch to receive a free stream test kit. Then, simply dip the test strip in your stream to measure the salt level. Use your smartphone to share your results on the Winter Salt Watch map. If the salt levels in your stream are too high, the Isaac Walton League can share ways other communities are reducing salt usage. Ask for your free test kit today. To get yours, Go to saltwatch.org. That's saltwatch.org. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back. You are listening to Story You Talk Radio on KKNW 1150. We are in Seattle on the AM dial, and you can also download the app and take us anywhere you want. But right now we're on the Thursday drive home, 4 p.m. in the Seattle area. I'm talking to Sunny Joy McMillan, and she wrote an awesome, awesome book. If you are going through a divorce, thinking about what's going on at home, I really, really encourage you to pick up her book, unhitched. We just got this great question and it's a one-liner question. I I just I thank you so much Kirsten for having the guts to say this. Mm. What if you don't believe in divorce and you think you need one? Wow. Mm-hmm. When your belief systems get in the way, mm-hmm. but your heart is saying I think I'm seeing my North Star. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's important to remember that from ages zero through seven, our brain is in a really slow brainwave state, delta or theta really, um, which means we are a little sponge for everything that is going on around us in our family of origin, uh, perhaps a religious institution where you're raised, teachers and whatnot. And so then you hit adulthood. And sometimes the information that we were given as children does not resonate or align with the values and our integrity that we have as an adult. 
And so um, I, again, would um, just mention, you know, there are a lot of tools out there. I like the work of Byron Katie to really examine the beliefs. And I will just tell you, um, was did you say Kristen or Kirsten? Kirsten. Kirsten. Kirsten, I was raised in the South in a very conservative religious community. Um, the phrase divorce is not an option was uh, used frequently. And it was a phrase that went through my mind when I got married. And it was a phrase that went through my mind when I was considering divorce. And I had to question, divorce is not an option. Is it true? Well, it kind of felt true from what everybody told me. But can I absolutely know that it's true that divorce is not an option? And I started examining all of the cases where divorce is an option. There are places where I have seen people thrive. There are places where I know or people who are much healthier on the other side of divorce than they were within the marriage. There are people who are safer outside of the marriage than in the marriage. Um, And there are plenty of examples where it has been um, a positive experience overall for the participants. And so it's really just a question of beginning to to really um, uh, look at with a very um, inquisitive eye the beliefs that you are holding. And do they really belong to you or were they handed to you by someone else? And if you don't want to carry them anymore, that is your right. Um, This is really between you and if you believe in a higher power, um, it's between you and the higher power of your understanding. Um, Not what someone told you about that higher power, but your own experience of it. Um, And so I I would just invite you to really question the belief that is keeping you there um, and see if you can find uh, a truth or a story that aligns better with where you are now. Yes. Sunny talks about this, too, in her book early on. I I see it in my notes here. You also talked about the, this this might touch you as well, Kirsten, and others, the idea of the Instagram perfect oh, gosh. marriage compared <laughs> to the authentic life that you are dedicated to living. And many of us, boy, I, I've learned this so much being a coach when someone hires me and I know the inside story. And then for whatever reason, they friend me on Facebook and I think, who's that? that I don't know this person and then I realized oh that's what you want me to know (laughs) (laughs) that's not what the real story but that's what you want me to know and it's a it's a natural inclination to keep the the outside looking good the lawn all manicured and the you know the house painted and Mm -hmm. everything else while yeah there's a big fight going on inside mm-hmm. what what do we do when we realize that the fight is being heard by the neighbors <laughs> i've been there i was there many times yeah <laughs> yeah what do we do most of us uh run and hide uh you wrote a book but you probably <laughs> did things before that you know yeah but i really i did not Um, I did my very best to keep our conflict under wraps. I didn't want anybody to know. I had so much shame around it. Um, And I think um, I had one friend who actually confessed to me that her marriage was not all sunshine and roses, and that really just was like the the skies parted. And I thought, wait, I don't have to tell everyone that it's sunshine and roses all the time. And then there's only so long. I mean, secrets really are one of the biggest stressors on our body and our being. 
And to hold something like that for years takes a toll physically and emotionally and spiritually. Um, and so I found that I started, I was really attracted to people who just, blah, they laid it all out there. Not in a way where they weren't healed from it or they were trying to get attention, but in a way that was just very honest and authentic. And I thought, you know what, if I'm most attracted to people who are living like that, that's what I want to be. And I, it's not a muscle that was fully formed and strong when I started it. But little by little, I began revealing more and more and more. And it felt really good when I did that. And so now I feel pretty strong in being able to, I'm, I'm kind of an open book these days. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. I think too, there's this idea that if we, if we tick off enough boxes, the marriage is going to work. <laughs> I, I, I certainly had that in my last relationship, even though it wasn't a marriage. I, I knew early on, I'm, I'm here for life. I'm here for good. This is my guy. Um, I'm, you're not going to be able to pull me away. And we ticked off a lot of boxes. Mm -hmm. We, we financially figured it out. We, we agreed on so many spiritual levels, finan financial levels. We agreed on family values. We agreed on worth ethics. We had a business together. I mean, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, who can complain? And then all of a sudden I realize I'm complaining. You know, I realize I'm complaining. And one day in his home, I had moved into his home, I, I looked around and I just, it came over me like a flood, this, this notion that I would have to leave his environment mm. to get, square again on it is it is it really working yeah. is it really really working because i i thought it was a list of stuff <laughs> and it's so much more than that mm -hmm. right yeah. i don't mean things yeah no i get I, it I yeah get it. i get it yeah just saying it for the listeners i don't mean like you know the the car's got to be you know the latest and the greatest but sometimes we think gosh if we can talk about money and in-laws, we're home free, you know? <laughs> if only it were that easy, although money is a big one for most people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we find out that, that so many things we were able to do, but now we're still thinking about moving out and getting our head clear. Well, you know, and this is something I talk to clients about because I always thought that I needed a scenery change, like an outer scenery change. If I could just get rid of this husband, if I could just move, get this house somewhere else, if I could just do this, that it would be better. And what I found is oftentimes we think it's the outer scenery, but if we change the inner scenery, our current situation, even if it's not ideal or perfect, we can make peace with it and it can actually be quite pleasant. Um, and I have to confess, I did an outer scenery change way before I did an inner scenery change. Um, and I think that had I been able to do the inner scenery change within the marriage, I mean, we definitely could have stayed together. Now, that's a whole different question of, is this the life that my heart and spirit really wants to be living? Is this what I feel like is my right life? And I do believe that I, I was not supposed to be with my ex-husband um, forever and ever and ever. But I sure do wish that I'd done my inner scenery work during the marriage so that I left in a much cleaner place than I did because I just ran and changed the outer scenery. Well, naturally, you know, naturally. It, I, I think that's how most people find their way again at first. Uh, 
And yet you're, you're shedding a lot of light on the idea that sometimes we're not giving ourselves the chance to come home to ourselves. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I think I was running from myself. I was using yeah. drugs and alcohol and mm. travel, anything you can get your hands on to run from who I was and not be in my life. I honestly don't know, Debbie. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I had the capacity when I was still in the marriage to do that inner work. It took a, like a rockier foundation, leaving mm-hmm. a marriage, leaving my home state of Texas, leaving mm-hmm. practice of law, leaving all of the things like that I had to be brought to my knees before I could really do the inner work. But for some people, I do find with clients, I'm really happy when they do the inner scenery work. Sometimes that changes everything and they are now still together, for example, as opposed to, I just need to ditch this guy and go. Right, right. And and something I think you were experiencing, I, I know I was, was ditching the guy was the absolute last thing I wanted. Oh, really? It was really? just the absolute, you know, mm. I, I was willing to live in a box with him if... Wow. It meant being able to keep him. Well, but mm-hmm. I'm like, then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that Well, I think it was so much that I found that as much of the inner scenery in myself I was willing to, to live with, if he wasn't on that journey with me, uh, I felt so lost and abandoned. Yeah. And there was my childhood once again just mm-hmm. staring me in the face. So I want to I wanna address Hannah, who wrote in. Thank you for writing in today, Hannah. No, it wasn't too late. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate what all you sent in, and please forgive me for shortening it. But you said some really important things here. You said, I've discovered my husband does not want babies. Mm-hmm. It is so important to me. He is gone for work twice a month and home for 10 days on average in between. So I guess I should be happy, but I want the babies. Um, Hannah, what really stuck out to me was you said I should be happy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why does she feel that way? Yeah. And and I, I experienced a real sadness when I heard that because if you really, really, really want babies and someone's telling you that that's not an option... They're, they're kind of telling you they're not willing to share in what you really, 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 really want. Is that how you hear it, Sonny? I guess when I hear it, I just think um, when the pain of staying put exceeds the fear of the unknown, that's information. And if the pain of wanting the babies is, is creating some pretty big inner conflict over a period of time, like years and years and years, something to consider and yeah I don't know I'm a big believer in following your heart and spirit not to the exclusion of being kind not to the exclusion of doing things appropriately whatever that means actually yeah Um, yeah but but yeah following the heart and spirit and you might just follow that heart and spirit right to your journal you know you you don't have to follow her to uh Ecuador you Mm -hmm. know maybe she just needs to know that you hear her, that those babies matter. And and what does that heart and spirit have to say about that? And really get in touch with that. That's that's something that, that Sunny works with clients on. That's something 
I work with clients on, and I encourage everyone that's listening to really think about the gift of the fact that any of us can stop for a few minutes and write and start to connect again with the deeper voice. And I always feel, Sunny, when I'm reading your book, that that's so much of what happened to you in the process of writing your book. It wasn't just a, I need to share this with the world, but I need to get right with Sonny's own voice. Yeah, absolutely. And in the end, my own voice was telling me that this marriage was not the right place for me. Um, And my reasons, of course, are different than Hannah's, but um, only you can know that. Um, And sometimes just admitting the truth to yourself, whether or not you act on it, can be a really important step. Yeah, absolutely. I, I found at one point that there was there was a lot of value that I had in my life. For, for example, Hannah, I just want to share. I remember telling uh, the man that did become my husband, I remember telling him at one point, if you want to have babies, I'm on board, but you have to want it 51%. You have to want it just a tiny bit more than I do, you know, to make up the full 100%. And I only say that because I knew there was a part of me that could live without babies, but I knew there was a part of me that would not make it if my man wasn't really into it. Oh, that's a very good point. Really supportive of it. So, yeah, I, I just, I encourage you, Hannah, get with that journal. And if it's not the journal that you trust the most, get with the priest. And if it's not the priest, your bestie. You know, think of calling Sonny. Think of wherever you know that deepest support is because you really are in a very critical point in your marriage right now, for sure. I really hear you. We've only got how many minutes would you say, Eric? Two and a half? Uh, just about a minute, actually. Oh, we have a minute. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was so lovely yes. <laughs> to have you on the show, Sonny. I hate to throw you out the door. No, that's okay. <laughs> May I offer my book for free? Please. Just go to unhitchedbook.com. That's unhitchedbook.com, and you can grab a free copy there. At unhitchedbook.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much thank for joining you. us thank today. You, Debbie. It's been a pleasure, and thank you to all your wonderful listeners who submitted questions. Yes, thank you, wonderful listeners, for your questions. If you're thinking that you have a book in you, I would love to validate that that just might be the truth. Meet me over at Coach Debbie, that's D-E-B-B-Y dot com, and let's have a little consultation about what's up for you. What is that real story in your life? And as always, I will be back here on Thursday next week, 4 o'clock. We're going to talk with Kelly McNillis from Women for One. See you later. (laughs) 